0: Okay, you ready, AP? Ready when you are. Let's lay this baby down. Lofty, you on the guitar, mate? You right to go? Yep, standing by. Bertie,
1: you on the bass? Yep, ready to go. All
0: right, here we go then. One, two, three, four. Just do good old boys. Do good old boys. Never meeting a harm story never saw that had no hair since the day that was born Straighten the curves, straighten the curves Flatten the heels The coffee might get them but the Lord never will For casting away Don't why I can't
1: get TV. Yeah. Hey everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the Mojo Radio Show. Nice to have your company. We do appreciate you smacking that download button. This show is all about finding interesting people from all walks of life who have their mojo working in or out of work and we extract what they do best to get their mojo working. The stuff that we can use and employ daily or weekly. get our mojo working, and perhaps the mojo of somebody we know. Across the panel, in the studio here, Chief Engineer Robbo. Welcome mate. Howdy howdy. How is Rocktober
0: looking? Uh, Rocktober's looking pretty rocky. Yeah. It's, uh, Have you done anything yet? Well, I've got some ideas that, I, that I've been stealing. Well, not stealing, but you know how it works. I keep a little folder of ideas, and there is a Rocktober folder inside my ideas folder. So there's some ideas bouncing around in my head, but nothing on paper yet, shall we say.
1: All right. Well, time's ticking.
0: Mm, indeed. Indeed. Over Coming soon to the Mojo Radio Show.
1: Our guest this week is Benjamin Spall, who's the co-founder of the blog MyMorningRoutine.com. He's a writer for the Huff Post, but he's also the author of My Morning Routine, How Successful People Start Every Day Inspired. Now, this is a cracking book, and he interviewed today's most talented creatives and business people, like people at the top of their game. And we'll get into that during the show. And he got them to share their secrets to how they unlock greater energy, how they focus better, how they get more stuff done, perform better, starting with the first thing in the morning. Now, routines and rituals have become very popular in the last few years, and I think people are interested in... How do successful people go about doing what they do day to day that leads to their success? And what we're going to do in this show is dig into – well, who are those people and what do they do that we can steal to help get our mojo working? Now, I saw a blog that Benjamin had written, which was all about rituals and how they work, rituals and routines. So I got in contact with him and said, mate, that'd be a topic we'd like to talk more about. So we've got him on the line. Benjamin, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show, mate.
2: Thanks for for having me.
1: When people ask you what you do, how do you like to reply?
2: Well, I think the first thing I kind of say is I, I talk about the book, which came out recently, and people are immediately interested in what that means. So when I talk about morning routines, they, they, they kind of immediately think I talk, I mean, workout routines, which I do to an extent, um, but yeah, they're, they're immediately fascinated by the concept as the whole.
1: The word routine has its own connotations, but at the same time in the biohacking sphere for the last couple of years... And one of the guys you interviewed was Ryan Holiday, who talks about rituals. What's the difference? Is there a difference between a routine and a ritual?
2: Not particularly, to be honest. And I know uh, many people listening may have heard of the book Daily Rituals by Mason Curry. And uh, we actually interviewed him on our website few years ago. And his, his book, similar to ours, his actually was previously a blog. And that was called Daily Routines instead of Daily Rituals. Uh, So to be honest, I think they are used very interchangeably. I know that we use it interchangeably. And uh, yeah, that's, that's just kind of the word that we went with.
1: So you've done literally hundreds of interviews around routines and or rituals. If you, when you sit back and look at them all, and I know it's probably challenging in some cases, but if you had to think about a commonality of the people you interviewed, what would the what would be the most prevalent commonality?
2: Yeah, so I'd say the most prevalent commonality is the idea of keeping your routine kind of short and easy to accomplish. And this is especially in the beginning when you're starting out bringing in a new routine into your morning. Uh, yeah, keeping it short and easy to accomplish, it greater, greater increases your chance of actually sticking to it. And we found that through interviewing so many people, we're up to over 300 now, that really is the main thing that they all have in common. They kind of, Try something out. They might try meditation for 10 minutes at a time, for example, or they may t- try a short uh, running or workout routine. But they don't, they don't jump into it all at once. They don't decide to do half an hour or an hour here or there. They kind of really start small and kind of build from there. Do
1: we think we have to complicate them or make them quite rigorous <laughs> and involved I mean, maybe, maybe not even so much for our own benefit, but to be able to tell somebody else how intricate our routines are, because it seems that you're saying one of the common to keep it simple and short. yet when you hear people on interviews outline, it seems quite long and quite intricate. There seems to be a clash there. do you find that?
2: Yeah, no, I totally see what you're saying, and um, there, there is somewhat of a clash there, and I would say many of the people we interview. Well, first of all, we kind of ask, and I think the second or third question, we always ask, you know, how long have you had this routine? And to, for the most part, they kind of tell us either they've had these certain elements for a certain amount of time and they've added this in here or there. But I think many of the people we speak to, they've had their routines for a while, so they have been able to make it a little bit more complicated and added, uh, added in, you know, certain things that work for them. Um, but as you say, kind of like in the beginning, like I said earlier, it, it really is important just to you know, start small. Because you can add to that over time. And I gave that meditation example. If you start out just doing 10 minutes of meditation in the morning, you may find that you'd love it. And then after a few weeks or after a few months, you may want to increase that to 20 minutes or 30 minutes, but you may just not enjoy it at all. You may just want to drop it out of your routine. Um, so yeah, I think over time, as you get more used to it, and this includes, you know, getting enough sleep, getting up early enough, but as you get used to sticking to your routine, you can kind of make it a little bit more complicated, maybe a little a uh, little bit more personal. But in the beginning, definitely, you know, starting out small—that's the most important thing.
1: You know, it's a funny thing. We had Ryan Munsey on the show a couple of months ago, and we very briefly talked about rituals. And one of the things that I'd heard him talk about, and he's he is a you know he does the the Better Human Project podcast, and is very much into let's call it biohacking or improving our performance and productivity, and he had put out a book. But one of the comments he made is he actually changed his morning rituals in order to accommodate being able to write his book. Yet you just said that a lot of people have these routines that have been set for quite a while. Do you find that some people are continually experimenting and do you find that some people are so set in their ways they just won't even entertain the thought of changing it? Mm,
2: no, absolutely. I, I think changing is, that's a, that's more common than people being set in their ways for sure. And we, we talk about this in the conclusion of our book, the importance of experimenting and kind of dropping things in and taking stuff out. And uh, to your p- uh, point about someone writing a book, uh, we have interviewed a few people and they talk about how they have different routines, depending on what they 're doing, uh, so I interviewed someone who she 's a professor she 's a Buddhist monk, and she 's also a novelist and they, that takes approximately a third you know each, each thing takes approximately a third of a year, so she has three different routines and even though there's some similarities like she she meditates every morning regardless of what she 's doing you know what what kind of thing she 's doing at that point um, th- those routines for the most part are very different, and so yeah i I do think the most you know, most of the people we spoke with, they do change it up, they do experiments, And many of the people, I've mentioned this as well, many of the people in the book, their routine will have shifted slightly since we even published the book. And that's okay, because it's all about kind of change, changing what works for you, but while keeping in the core element. I think
1: it's an interesting point, you know, because I reckon there are so many people who try and emulate what their heroes or somebody who's been successful, and they emulate that through <laughs> anyway. So, but we'll get onto that as we go through this. I just want to... Um, Something I've heard you talk about before, Benjamin, is procrastination. And I just want to camp there just for a second. What have you found beneficial of a routine to help us overcome procrastination?
2: Yeah, I think it's really helpful to just know what you're doing next. And, you know, some people might say that that's a little bit boring. But for the most part, actually having that routine in place, having, like, you know, one step followed by another step is very helpful it means that we, first of all, we don't procrastinate for the most part. We're not perfect, but for the most part, we don't procrastinate. And also, we kind of don't waste time thinking about what we're going to do next. Um, so I mentioned this in the, in the um, introduction of the book, but all of us, even if we don't feel like we do, all of us already have a morning routine. We kind of get up or go to the bathroom or probably go into the kitchen or probably pick up our phone at some point. And uh, we just don't really think of it as a routine. It's just what we do. So actually having that in place, and especially in the beginning, even writing it down, like putting it on a Post-it note, put it on something where you could see it every day. you're just reminded like you'll quickly remember what you're doing but in in the beginning it helps to remind yourself and it does help with procrastination and nobody's perfect you know you might pick up your phone and go on instagram for much longer than you plan but um it does help to actually just like get that out there in the beginning
1: since you and i spoke about coming on the show i finished a book called the big thing and the author was phyllis Corky. i think it's pronounced and it's a very interesting book because the big thing is about getting out of your head an idea, whether it be a writing or a, an event or something you're planning, but it's about her, her journey through procrastination and laziness to not complete the big thing or whatever that may be. And she talks about her routine as being a trigger. And one of the things she wrote about was coffee and that coffee each day was her trigger to start to get the words on paper. So she goes through her little ritual of making coffee, sitting down in her room. And it was very interesting that when I read that and then had heard you talk, it seems like having little triggers like that were a way to get through the procrastination. Is that something you found as a commonality in these routines?
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's very common with writers or anyone who kind of does something uh, relatively creative in the morning is it doesn't have to be coffee, of course, but it can be anything that you do every single day. And especially if it's kind of nurturing, it's kind of you know a nice feeling in this case of sitting down with a cup of coffee. And it really does, it kind of gets you in the mindset of what you're supposed to be doing. And I find this very helpful for myself. Like, for example, every night when I finish my work, I completely shut down my computer. I don't just close the lid. I, you know, make sure it's completely shut down. So the next morning, I know that when I open my computer and then actually have to press the on button, it's just, it's like the beginning of my work thing. It's kind of a very relaxing uh, way to begin. And, you know, that could be different for anyone, but actually having that time really kind of, it brings the day back around and it's like you're starting all over again.
1: (laughs) It's really interesting. I... We love our coffee here in the studio, and I just want to camp there just for a second. And whether it be coffee, tea, turning on your computer, I think there's something really nice about this. I read a story about Proust, who was a famous author, and I think a lot of people would have heard the, the word Proust or made reference to it. And with his, with his writing, he even found that the way of the type and making of coffee was important as a trigger for him to create. And he'd written hundreds of books and he had a, a housekeeper who had to go and buy a certain type of coffee from a specific shop. It had to be packed the right way into the group head and water had to drop through very slowly, drop by drop, just the way he wanted it. If it wasn't, then he couldn't create. Did you find examples of people who had very specifics, and I, I relate it back to perhaps the way you turn on your computer. The thing I like about when you hear these routines and rituals is sometimes they get very granular, very specific, yet many of the things you talked about were very generalized. Where does that sit? What did you find did you find examples of very granular things, very specific like that that were triggers? yeah, there are a
2: few i have to i don 't think there's anything as granular as the example you gave. Um, but there, 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 have been a, that, 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 that was pretty granular, but, um, I think for the most part, as you go through the book, it's, it's more general and it's kind of easier. Like I say, you know, the coffee or the opening of the computer is much easier. We did interview a few people and one off the top of my head is, uh, Dave Asprey, who is the creator of Bulletproof Coffee, uh, ironically, a uh, coffee again, but, um, he, he talks in very granular terms about kind of everything he does, um, uh, yeah, he's kind of all over the shop. He has all these different travel routines, but he, his routine is very granular. I think it's in the, uh, travel section of our chapter of our book. Um, but for the most part, most of the people are giving kind of easier answers kind of things that are a little bit, you know, anyone can kind of do. Um, but yeah, there, there's, 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 you know, people being granular in other ways, but I think for the most part, they make it easier. I mean,
1: Dave Asprey also takes 150 different tablets a day. So, uh, which leads yeah, me on was, to.
2: That was surprising, Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So he, I think he builds his brand on that sort of stuff. Uh, But having said that, Benjamin, can they also be unhealthy? Because I hear that and I think it's a badge of honour for him, the way he does all these, you know, biohacking things did Did you find that it could be also unhealthy with productivity or health or the mental approach to stuff? We get so caught up in it that if we don't have our routine, our, our day goes to to pack. I mean?
2: Yeah, no, for sure. We actually have this question that we ask everybody it's one of if the last but one of the last questions, and it says, um, "What do you do if you fail to follow your morning routine?" And for the most part, and definitely in the definitely in the book and for the most part on our website as well the answers to this question are very, uh, they're heartening. They're kind of like people will say they don't worry too much. They just make sure they get back to it the next day. And that's the best answer in our view because many people, they feel like if, they, if they're doing something every single day and then they miss a day or they mess up, they kind of drop it. They'll drop it for a week. They'll drop it for a month or they, they may not come back to it at all. But what many of the most successful people we spoke with and like we later um, suggested as well It's just if you do miss a day or if you miss two days, and it could be, you know, it could be an early work meeting, it could be anything that's outside of your control, uh, don't worry about it. Just get back to it the next day. Don't see it as a failure, that one missed day. And we think that is the most important part to actually helping you stick to your routine because you may have a missed day, but, you know, in a year's time, you're not going to remember that missed day. You'll just know that you're keeping up with your routine.
1: Since doing the book, which has been super successful, do you also find that people who go, Because it's being talked about and being seen as a trend that they will want to do the opposite?
2: Uh, Not really. We definitely have, you know, some snarky articles every now and then because there is is a little bit of a trend. When we started um, our website five and a half years ago, uh, morning routines were barely being spoken about at all. So, you know, we started out, we got the domain, and it was um, kind of funny now that, you know, five and a half years later, it really is such a big thing. And there's always articles on it. Um, so we do sometimes get, um, you know, some, sometimes a snarky review where like they'll actually say a lot of nice things and then I'll joke about it as well. But, uh, no, we not really had people say that. Um, I do think it's one of those things where if you're in this space, if you're in kind of this productivity space online, it really is something that everyone knows about. And, you know, some people may tire of it slightly, but, um, the audience for people who aren't in this space, you know, who haven't even thought of the idea of a morning routine is still enormous. And, um, just the, even the idea that you know you could spend you know just ten minutes meditating or just working or doing something in the morning to make the rest of your day that much nicer is something that many people haven't even thought about yet. So I, I still think it's very helpful for them. Who was
1: the person you interviewed or have had exposure to where you saw the routine and went, oh man, that's really cool. That that's. I really liked that. Was there someone who comes to mind where you went, you, you kind of really liked it?
2: Yeah, I guess there's been quite a lot. I mean, off the top of my head, uh, we interviewed Bill McNabb, who was the, the then CEO and current chairman of the Vanguard Group here in the US. And um, his routine is actually very simple, but I like that he says that in the morning he'll get to work early, but then between 6 and 7.30 a.m., he'll just kind of sit and like, just prepare his thoughts. And like, he won't actually do work per se, and he definitely won't check email. But he'll kind of uh, use that time to like think a bigger picture. And I really like that because I think, you know, spending time thinking bigger picture is something that many of us just, we keep pushing back. We like don't ever get around to it. And it's something that maybe once every few months we'll sit down for an hour in the afternoon we may think about it. But the idea that someone who's, you know, at the top of his game running this enormous investment firm spends an hour and a half every morning doing that, uh, I thought that was very powerful. And there's a bunch of other people for sure. Like we interviewed Stanley McChrystal, who's a U.S. Army general here, and um, his is like very different to mine. His is just insane. He like still gets up at four AM and works out. Um, So that definitely isn't what I do, but it was very impressive all the same.
1: And Stan McChrystal, who, uh, for those who may not be familiar with the name, is a United States general at the SEALs. His he, he even has a very specific workout routine, doesn't he? So when you hear him talk about what he does each morning at before and at the gym, his routine is very specific about the exercises and the number of exercises and the time. So he he does go quite granular, doesn't he?
2: He does. He does. I remember when I you know when I was on the call with him for the recording the interview, he um you know he he told me he, he's a very granular person and like. As he was describing stuff, it was very in-depth. And, you know, we had to edit it for the, for the sake of the book, but it was even more granular when it comes across. And what was interesting is he said when he was, because he was head of the army um, in Iraq and Afghanistan uh, in around 2010, around that time, and while he was in uh, each of those countries, he would stick to this routine. It may have to happen at a different time because he was often kind of doing the night shift where so him and his men were working overnight and then he'd get to bed at 6, uh, 6 a.m. and get up at about midday or something like that. But he would still do that routine and even, you know, even in that environment where they didn't have as much of what they needed, he would stick to it. And now that he's out of the army, he does the same thing. And as you say, it's incredibly granular, it's incredibly precise. And um, yeah, it's, I, I feel that you don't need to be as precise as some of the people in the book are. Um, but. Definitely not, to start out, definitely not to start out in the beginning. Um, but, you know, if you can get there eventually, then good for you. That's pretty impressive.
1: You interviewed Biz Stone, who is one of the guys who created Twitter. When you think about his routines or rituals, what comes to mind that you thought was important?
2: Yeah, no, I love I Biz's uh, routine because I've actually heard previously that he's, he's one of the nicest guys in Silicon Valley, they say, and um, he really was. He was incredibly nice to agree to the interview to begin with. But then um, as you read his routine in the book, uh, it's just nice. You know, the, the time he spends in the morning with his son just playing, they play Lego, they play Minecraft, they kind of just sit down and have that time together. And he had this great quote, which um, I think made it onto, did it make it onto the back of the book? No, it's not on the back of the book, but it's, um, it's at the end of his routine, where he mentions how um, it's nice that he can have that time playing with his son in the morning before he has to then go and be an executive. And I just thought that was very important, and like his his wife works as well, so they kind of like they divvy up the uh, the childcare. But it was nice, um, just it was nice hearing that. It was nice um, getting a very down to earth routine um, from somebody who is so high up in a well known company.
1: It's a good learning, isn't it? Because I think a lot of executives think that it has to be it has to be ev- everything has to go into work, and we talk about how important. That our family is or friends are to us, but when you actually get down to how much time is being allocated and or intention, quite often it gets forgotten, yet we'll say it's the most important things. It's really refreshing, isn't it, to see somebody who is really, I mean, it's a game changer in terms of social and communication and media, in terms of Twitter. But that's really is something pretty special to think that he actually does create a routine around that. It's important to him, and he actually does it.
2: It is, it is special. And we have a whole uh, chapter on parents in the book, and uh, this is where his uh, routine is. And it's specific uh, sp- uh, specifically looking at parents of young children. And we do make the point that you know neither myself or Michael are parents, um, but we uh, you know we interview a bunch of parents of young children, and we make the point that not everyone can, not everyone can do this, not everyone has the you know, have their facilities, everybody has the money, only has the time to be able to have a great morning routine in the morning. And um, even, and we, we also try to make the point that parents of young kids, they really, even though we'd like to say you can, you really can't have as easy as a, uh, of a morning routine as, as people who don't have young kids. But you can try and you can try and, you know, make it better. And there's different ways to incorporate your child into that. And obviously, for example, kids really thrive on routine. And even if they don't, even if it doesn't look like they're thriving, it's definitely good for them. So actually, like helping to bring them into their, into your routine in some way is a great way to help them.
1: I was interested to know about Ryan Holiday, who I know you spoke about the writing process and the creative process with Ryan. And he, being a student of the Stoics, and an author of "Ego Is the Enemy" and "The Obstacle Is the Way." And being very successful with his background and interest in stoicism and ego and performance. What, what was the findings you found? What did you find with how he approached his routines and rituals that was of interest to you?
2: Yeah, Ryan's was interesting. So, Ryan, we actually interviewed him in 2015, so three years ago. And then we interviewed him again for the book to kind of, because in between then, him and his wife had had a kid. So, we kind of wanted to add that different element to it. Um, but Ryan's, yeah, I, I think his, his was just very much about the work. It was very much about making sure that he gets his writing done in the morning. Because um, cause it did say this in the back of the book, he, he mentions that after a productive morning, uh, in which I accomplish my big things, the rest of the day can be played by ear. And I think that's such a great quote because he's, he's making the point that he knows that he's most productive in the morning and he doesn't get up crazy early. He gets up at 8am, which by many standards is kind of late um then he gets up uh, and if he showers or he does uh, he does some workout he plays with his kid and then he just he gets to work he starts writing and he's usually if he gets that done by midday and then anything else he does he, he might do interviews you know he'll sit through emails but for the most part what his main core focus of the work that he needs to do uh, was done first thing in the morning do you
1: think having that set routine and or rituals around it is that from your experience of all the interviews you've done is that part of the secret to planning and executing during your day?
2: I, I really think it is. And, you know, after having this website for five and a half years, and we really kind of, we hear a lot of the same ideas over and over again. And many of those, of course, made it into our book. Um, and, yeah, I really do think it is. And I really, you know, writers and authors, they always speak about how you write a book by just doing a small chunk every single day and eventually it becomes a book. And that's the same with any kind of feet you need to get over you know if you're working out you know do it every single day or every other day and kind of get that um get that frame that you need and yeah for sure you kind of having a routine really allows you to just keep at it every single day and you know it's it's not pretty always and as I said sometimes you'll sometimes you'll miss a day but as long as you just get back to it as soon as you can that's that's really the key and um you we really can't work in these, you know, these short bursts and then like relax for a long time. You really kind of just do need to keep at it. There are
1: loads of people in the book that I have heard of and are quite fascinated by and some we've interviewed on the show, which has been pretty, uh, a real privilege. One that really stood out was Marie Kondo. Now, Marie Kondo wrote a book for those who may not have read it called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying. And we have spoken about the book on the show before and it is a world bestseller and it will rock your world once you understand where, how tidying fits in. But, you know, even the title and stuff, it, it kind of, I don't know, it's not, it's not the first book you'd pick up in the library. However, it's been super successful and it has changed people's lives. This little Japanese lady here wrote this book about tidying your home. What were the rituals of routines? I'm quite fascinated. What did you learn about how Marie Kondo approaches routines?
2: She was actually interesting. She was the only person whose uh, routine was translated. Uh, she, she doesn't speak English. Uh, so she, she was the only one. But um, no, interestingly, um, she, does know that, she did know that when she leaves the house uh, in the morning, she has to make sure that the entire house has been cleaned. So I thought that was kind of funny. But, um, no, she, she, uh, just, it's very simple. She talks about, you know, she works out a little bit. She'll meditate a little bit. Um, and she'll just have breakfast with her kid and her husband. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of off the top of my head all I can remember. It's very, it was incredibly simple. Um, but to be honest, it was just kind of great to be able to interview her. And I agree about the book. I've not entirely read it. I've started reading it, but I know that my wife has read it and, um, our house is slightly
1: the to give us a result, so that's good. Well, it just t- I think the timing of when, and my wife read it and handed it to me, I thought the timing of the book coincided with the whole minimalism movement and the simplicity and tiny homes and having less stuff that brings you more joy. And those terms were then picked up by the minimalists and picked up by Joshua Becker and, you know, that whole crowd picked up on that whole. So it was just good timing, I think, for all these things came together. However it is, for anybody who hasn't read the book, go to the library and find it. It's a very interesting philosophy for simplifying your world. And I don't know, it just seemed to tie in really nicely with what you guys are talking about in terms of simplifying your morning or evening or, so there must be some commonalities between the trend of, I don't know, minimalism meets tidying, meets simplicity, tiny homes. It's, it, it, those things must all be tying together for you guys.
2: Yeah, no, I think so. and yeah as, as, you know, as I, what I know about uh, Marie's book is definitely like the philosophy, like you said, it's kind of um you know believing that items have kind of served you well and now you can get rid of them. And yeah, the philosophy behind our book is um more not you know not like this is a routine that you should follow, and occasionally we'll have people say, you know you can't tell us what to do, And we're like we're not telling you what to do. We're telling you to just keep it short, keep it easy, and try these different things. But um, just, just keep it simple. And that's kind of the, the philosophy we've gone with. And there are similar books. There's definitely articles to ours where people talk about, you know, you have to get up at 5 a.m. You have to do this. You have to work out. And, you know, that's not what we're about at all. We, we definitely have a message. We definitely, experiment, uh, we definitely say that you should uh, experiment but we're not telling you that you have to do anything um, because, you know, we, we we don't want to be those people. We kind of want you to get from it what you can, um, but really just kind of enjoy the process of going through it.
1: You've mentioned people having food as part of their rituals or routines, either beginning or end of the day or through the day. Have you found that food occasions actually do form a big part of, Routines?
2: Yeah, I guess a lot of people, um yeah, we always ask people kind of what they have for breakfast and that's kind of just it's, it's not the most fascinating answer, but it's kind of just interesting for us. And um <laughs> yeah, a lot of you know, a lot of <laughs> it's more for our enjoyment. But a lot of it is based around if especially, especially when people especially when people are kind of working out in the morning, that then it's kind of more interesting to hear what people are having, what people are preparing. Um but, yeah, not, when, regardless of working out, you know, a lot of the morning routines kind of mention having breakfast with the family. And, you know, that's what I do, for example. I kind of um, – I, I say this often, but I kind of – I keep my phone in the kitchen overnight so I'm not checking it in the morning. And then I kind of – I make breakfast for me and my wife, and I don't check my phone during this time. If I can help her, if I have a, if I have a morning meeting or call, I may have to check just to confirm um, nothing has changed. But if it's um, – if, you know, if I don't check my phone, it's kind of this nicer experience and then I can sit down and have breakfast with, uh, with my wife. And it's kind of this calm time that, you know, it, it, it's great to have that time. It's great to have that time without having the, you know, any emails kind of swirling around in the back of your mind. So yeah, breakfast and, you know, that time with your family is, is definitely mentioned a lot in our region.
1: When I hear you talk about that, it, it makes me think that it's like helping you create a discipline, that it's okay to have time with like Biz with his son or Marie Kondo with her family. It's okay because it's in my routine, it's in my ritual. And I just want to finish up asking you about whether you've discovered that routines help us with our willpower because obviously willpower is something that a lot of people struggle with. And there was a book called Willpower by John Tierney and he wrote that we have a finite amount of willpower and that becomes depleted as we use it you use the same stock of willpower in all manner of tasks. So I'm wondering whether you have observed, heard, or believed that routines, even small ones, that we've written about in the book, have you found that they help to create more discipline and or willpower? What's your
0: thought?
2: Yeah, that's interesting. And Now I think about it. I'm not even sure if the, the word willpower ever comes up even once in my book, and that could be a that could be a good uh, advertisement for routines there because you know having a morning routine kind of it doesn't take away the need for willpower, but it kind of helps you because you know you're going from one thing to the next and you know what you're doing. And this is uh, one of the reasons that we decided to do morning routines way back in the day when we started our website is just because this time in the morning. You already have, like, I guess you could say, the willpower example. You already have kind of this energy, and it's easy to get going with something. You know, every single morning, kind of we start again, and you know, many of us, including myself, were very tired by the end of the day. You know, by five, six pm, definitely by ten pm, we're incredibly tired. We've kind of like had a long day, and then so the next morning, regardless of when we get up, we kind of have that energy again. So that's that's why we wanted to be, you know, we want it to be my morning routine, not my evening routine. We do have a chapter on evening routines, but that's, it's definitely less in-depth than morning routines. Um, but yeah, we also we speak in the book about decision fatigue, which is when you have to make too many decisions throughout the day, uh, you either end up struggling to make any more decisions or you just take the easy option. You just make bad decisions. And um, one, reason, one, one way to get around that we mentioned is if something is not particularly important, like deciding what clothes you want to wear the next day, do that in the evening. So you may still struggle with it, but it doesn't matter. So then in the morning, you don't have to make that decision and you kind of have, you know, one less decision to make for a thing. And it's a great way to kind of just keep that energy intact for a little bit longer. So I, I don't know if that all relates into willpower. I would imagine it does ever so slightly. Um, but yeah, no, it's, a, it's an interesting point. Well, what, what,
1: what occurs to me hearing you say that is that if I have it as part of my morning routine to have breakfast with my kids, then it's okay because it's part of my morning routine. If I meditate every morning and I allocate that 20 minutes, well, that's because it's my morning routine. It almost gives you permission to say, well, it's my morning routine. That's what I do. I go for a walk as opposed to having that guilty thing where it's unplanned and then you can always find the justification to do something else. In the same way, I guess we talked about earlier in the show that when I go to the movies, I have a chock top or when I'm at the footy, I have a pie. Or when I do this, then I have to. When I'm with friends, I have to have a drink. So I guess it kind of, the routine can work in a positive in that the environment can create a good habit or the environment create a negative habit. And I just think that that routine thing just helps with the willpower because it's almost like a justification in your mind. Yeah,
2: no, that's a great point. Both the the uh, the morning examples and the other examples, It's a great point how it, having that routine and knowing that you have that routine kind of means that you don't need to decide, you know, can I do this? Because it's kind of already like set in stone as it were. So yeah, no, I think that's great. And that that kind of goes back to the example of, you know, when you're starting out with a new routine, writing it down just so you just so you remember it and maybe you can either justify it to yourself. Um, Over time you won't need that. You know, you'll go for you go from one element seamlessly knowing what you're doing. But um, no, I
1: think that's that's a great point. I think we've cracked the code, Benjamin. I think we've cracked
2: the (laughs) the code on routine.
1: Um, This has been very interesting. I really like the work you guys are doing. I think it's terrific. For those who want to follow up and get more, and there is loads more to get of YouTube, uh, the book, the website, and so on, where is the best repository? Where's the best place to send people to get more of Benjamin?
2: Yeah, so we have – you can go to our website, which is mymorningroutine.com. And you can get the book in Australia at uh, Amazon and anywhere else. Um, and also you can find me personally at com or on Twitter and Instagram at, at Benjamin Spore.
1: Beautiful. Well, mate, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate your sharing. I think the stuff you guys are doing is terrific, and uh, we'll uh, we'll keep in touch with you.
2: Awesome. This was great. Thanks for having
0: me. The Mojo Radio Show. I reckon our routine on this show is weekly bringing great guests with some really valuable stuff. I think that was another cracker. Well done.
1: I think the only I think it's a commonality, the only a real routine is you with Tim Tams each Monday morning, which failed to see Monday afternoon.
0: <laughs> well true.
1: Anyway. He was a cracker. It's a really good topic. It's very, very valuable. One thing, one thing I would say is that take what Benjamin said is don't try and copy somebody else's routine or ritual. And the second thing, which is very interesting, and I will put a link back to it in the show notes, is we had a guy,
0: Brian Felchuk, how long ago was that? Two months ago, three months ago? Jeez, yeah. Yeah, probably three, I think. Quickly, it's surprising how quickly the year goes. Brian
1: wrote a terrific book called Do a Day, and it ties back nicely what Benjamin said is that the most successful people who have routines or rituals, if they miss a day, they don't sweat it. They just get back to it the following day. And if you hear Brian Felchuk on our show, he talks about the same thing. Successful people go, here's my routine, here's my ritual. If I don't get to it, cool, I'll do it again tomorrow. I can do one day. And it's interesting when you start hearing, as you said, the commonality is we have got cracking guests week after week and there are threads that sit through it. And I think that Benjamin really uh, tied a few of those threads together, shall we say.
0: Indeed. He's a bit of a seamstress as well. The Mojo Radio Show.
1: Now PR guru to the rock and roll stars. Cat oh, Kat. Has Catherine. been in touch with you. She has. And we, Cat. Hello, Kat Uh, who's a great fan of the show, introduced us to the world of hip-hop. And I've got to say, folks, this ended up being just a a really, I I was quite moved by this interview. I I want to introduce the band. So we've got a hip-hop artist. They're from Alice Springs here in Australia, up in the Northern Territory, and the band is called Carnage and Darkness, a hip-hop duo who've been writing and performing since 2008. So they're 10 years on the road. Now, Carnage... Tristram Watkins, and Darkness, Karina Hall, are one of the first proper hip-hop acts to come from NT, which we call our Northern Territory, which for our overseas listeners is true outback. They write and rap about social issues and everyday struggles, as you'll hear in this show. A lot of people will know them because they've been on the road with Paul Kelly, Jessica Malboy, and hip-hop legends like Naughty by Nature Bone Thugs,
0: and Ja Rule, all on your playlist. Huge. Massive. Well, Paul Kelly. <laughs>
1: ja Rule, maybe not.
0: <laughs> we got
1: Carnage on the line. Mate, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show.
3: Yep, thanks. Thanks for having
1: me. I think you are our very first hip-hop artist on our program.
3: Oh, well... Yeah. I feel very (laughs) honoured. You're talking to a couple of old rock and roll heads.
1: Which rates right up there with an Aria, a Golden Globe or an Emmy. So uh, Yeah,
3: I'll take it. I'll take it.
1: (laughs) The name, just the name of the duo, having gone through your stuff the last couple of days, where did the name come from?
3: I know it sounds like a a bloodthirsty heavy metal band, but... um, It's pretty dark. uh, Yeah, it is pretty dark. Um, I think uh, my name I think I'm one of the blokes who do you know, give themselves a nickname <laughs> um, <laughs> now, it's it's funny really Why um, I, I used to read a lot of comic books when I was younger you know and I loved the Marvel, Marvel comic books and there was one character Carnage but he spelled it with a C I kind of really liked them, you know, so, you know, every rabbit looks for a MC name and I went through <laughs> a few and in the early 90s, I was Flavoured Tea and I don't think that was going to work for
0: me. <laughs> Sounds like Flavoured Milk, <laughs> Big M.
3: Yeah, yeah, so that's what I mean, so that wasn't going to work for me, so I had to change it and then later on in the years, I met Karina, oh, who is darkness now. And since she was young, she was like the little black baby in the family. So her old aunties and grandmothers called her Darkness as a nickname. So yeah, so she had that name already. So you know, so I thought, you know, we put it together.
1: It's very cool, mate. I gotta say, how did you guys come to be together? Because I know you come, well, you you hail from Alice Springs, but how did you how did you get together with let's let's say Darkness? How did you get together? How did how did Carnage get together with Darkness?
3: Well. I, in Alice Springs, the music scene wasn't going too great, so then I moved down south and I went to university there, and um, I was doing a lot of, like, music there and stuff, but I just met her just out and about, like, because a lot of the events, like, there's a lot of, like, Aboriginal events they have there, and I just met her out, and she didn't really know I was doing music or anything, and then um, after, a while, you know, she came come watching my shows and then watching what I do, and then... One, one night, we did a big night, and it's on DVD, actually. This one called, it's called Black Night. It's like a youth festival they do every year, and it's pretty big now. And and um, she said, I just said, oh, I'm pretty lonely up on stage. I was kind of going downhill a <laughs> bit like with my music. And then she said, I know all your songs. I'll jump up with you. And I was like, Really? oh, okay. So I said, oh, okay, do it then. And then I said, I'll take some verses out. Can you write something? And then, yeah, well you see the DVD, and it's the first time ever, and you wouldn't. You would not think, you know, and then ever since then she just kind of drove everything up with, you know, when you get, you know, when you get that someone just fresh and that passion yeah. and love for something, it just yeah. drives. Because I've been doing it since you know '93, then she just kind of lifted us, lifted me again.
1: It's interesting, Tristram, because Robbo and I grew up through Triple M, and in in the back in the day, there were a lot of pub gigs and if you had a guitar, an amp, a, a drum kit, you could set up in the corner of, of a pub somewhere. It was a very big pub scene and then it's kind of died out a little bit but I think the live music scene is probably going through a little bit of a rejuvenation. For hip-hop artists, I don't know, it just seems a bit different. Is there a, is there a hip-hop scene how does someone like you get exposed in a live scene? Is there a live venue, or is there a, is there a you know a lot of places where a hip hop artist for you guys can play?
3: Yeah, I, I think it's I, I find it's much easier for hip hop artists because all you need is a laptop or an iPod these days, you know. And then if you have got a good system, you know, you set it through, you know. But it's always good to have a DJ, you know. But it's easy just to set up, you know. And there's a lot of places around Alice now that uh, kind of having that. But now I've kind of put together uh, a drummer now and a keyboard player. So I'm trying to get that live kind of feeling back into things, you know, just a more stage presence and that, you know. But it's, yeah, it's much easier these days when you just have a DJ. And sometimes my DJ, I had DJs interstate, so when I do shows in Alice I don't have my DJ, so I usually just have my—I'll I'll, I'll find someone else uh, who's a DJ here, or I just play straight off my laptop, you know. And it's not very really ideal, you know, but you know if. You got to do what you got to do at the time, you know. But but now I'm putting a drummer together and a keyboard player, and we're in the process of writing new stuff, you know, and and getting them to play the old stuff. So yeah, trying to get some more kind of stage presence now.
0: Gary's asking because he's interested in becoming a <laughs> DJ. He's actually named himself DJ Cowboy, and yeah, uh, come on, himself, get down. Hey? Bought himself some gold chains, bought a put a a white cap on backwards, and um and oh. some chaps. So um oh. so yeah, he's keen to get out oh. there amongst it. That's why he's asking. Oh. Can, oh, well, Country boy yeah, can yeah, survive. Get well, get out there, you know. Get out
1: there
3: and mix it <laughs> yeah, up. You know?
0: Exactly.
1: You don't care, mate, do
0: you?
3: <laughs> no, I, I, I um, encourage, encourage anything that's, you know, uh, productive, you know, especially musically.
1: You know, it's interesting, uh, Tristram, if, you, if you're not in the scene itself and you are a punter, we get exposed to it through, obviously, the television, YouTube, Vimeo and so on. But for a lot of people i think with rapping and hip hop we the mainstream don't get to see it unless we watch a movie like 8 mile and that gave us an insight into the life of how you guys do what you do kind of in a way and it's probably different but the same my query is do you carry like a journal or a notebook as part of your writing process?
3: Um, I think I've been through all the stages, you know. I used to have, like, I, one time I used to walk around with a recorder It was like a mini-disc, you know, were, mm. you remember the mini-disc? Mini mini-disc? Yeah, mini-disc. <laughs> they They're like a little cartridge disc. Wow, little, that brings I, back I, memories. I, yeah, so I used to walk around with a mini-disc uh, player and had a, and a, and a little microphone attached to it. So sometimes I'll just freestyle or if I'm walking down the street, I'll be just rhyming mainly freestyling, and then I'll cap- capture it, and then if some words are there good, i write them down, you know. Um, I don't do it really now, um, but you know, every time I get ideas for something, sometimes I'm just thinking, or I hear a beat, or something, you know, and I'll just quickly write down two lines on anything, you know. So I've got stuff probably around all the house, you know, on envelopes and oh, all kinds of paper, you know, sometimes toilet paper.
0: <laughs> nice.
3: So, so anything you know. So, so, if an idea comes to my head or something, and you know, I I'll just, I'll, I'll just write it down. But I used to walk around with a yeah, with a recorder. Um, mm. some, you know, sometimes I did have a pad one time in, in the car. So, anything. But usually, when I got when something comes banging in my head, I'll write it down on anything. We
1: uh, we got sent the single mountain a couple of weeks back by your publicist, Kat. Yeah. And we're about to record a show and what was staggering for us is that Robbo and I came out of the Halcyon days to the House of M's from Triple M and we we did a lot of work back in the day with Adam and the boys at Chocolate Starfish. Why Why pull, of all the tracks you could pull to collaborate <laughs> with, why pull a track from 1994 from a rock band like Chocolate Starfish? Like why? why do that?
3: Well, I think... You know, the, the 90s was probably the, one of the best music eras, I reckon, especially mm. with um, the hip-hop and R&B. But, but around that time, you know, I was going to high school, and I remember that I remember that song clearly when it first came out, you know? Uh, and and oh, I just connected to it straight away, you know? But uh, yeah. see me, I'm a bit of old-school music. I, I love hip-hop, but I reckon I listen to more old-school than hip-hop. You know, so I'm not really a part of a full on hip hop listener, you know, you know, I listen to a lot of old stuff, a lot of Motown, a lot of 60. I grew up on that stuff and a lot of Australian rock, you know, you know, and, um, you know, I even got buzzed at me and Buzz are talking, um, you know, for a little while now from the angels, yep. you know, we're thinking about, you know, no secrets, another hip hop version.
0: Ooh. You know?
3: nice. Am I ever going to
0: see your face again? You've got a great little hook in there.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. You know, so we're you know we're we're talking about that you know for a while now. So that, that I think that's going to happen. But okay. yeah, no, you know, a mountain. Yeah, we'll give, mountain, we'll give that anyone, a run, mate. Yeah, yeah, and mountain. Anyone can relate to that, you know. Anyone, any person, whatever, no matter who you are. That song is just like a powerful song, you know. And I think anyone can relate to it. That's what I mean, you know?
0: you know. Well, Buzz is a good it's- friend of the show, mate. He's been on here a couple of times, so um, make sure you tell him we said g'day. Oh, yeah, he's deadly follow that mate. <laughs> <laughs> deadly fellow. <laughs> hey,
1: mate, um, just to wrap this up, just tell me, I read that the lyrics to Mountain actually is something you related to, either you and or you and Darkness. What was it about the actual lyric and your own backstory that, related so much to you guys
3: well same thing again coming from a small town and that I remember in high school trying to do hip-hop and trying to do a show like this is a small place and and a lot of the there's a lot of communities around here and I think I kind of introduced kind of rap hip-hop to a lot of these kids in the remote communities you they know, never heard it you know because they're just kind of uh, brainwashed into country and reggae you know and you know and and but, you know, just people just looking at you, laughing at you, kind of saying, like, well, what are you trying to be, you know? What are you trying to do? But I just kept doing what I'm doing, you know? And I said, oh, you know, I, I don't let no one like, bother me, you know? I, I, I enjoy what I do, and I and, and I try to do it, you know? So, so that mountain, you know, like how people want you to be something else, like want you, expect you to be something else or be just like everyone else. And then, you know, me, I was like, nah, you know, it's too boring for me, you know? I need to do something, and I need to express myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's a little town, and and you know I'm still going down, you know. And I, and, and and that's how that song kind of relates, you know. People trying to sometimes put you down or laugh at you, and because they're just too scared to open up for themselves, or just want to be another, you know, another sheep.
0: Some gold in there, Gary.
1: Do you know it? It is Robbo, and I think there's a lot to that, Trishram. Oh, can, I, can, yeah. I, can, I, can I call you? Can I, am I am I down enough to call you Carnage? <laughs> no. Uh,
3: yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Of am course. I
1: street Am I straight enough? <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, you you're a DJ now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> DJ Cowboy. Why, 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 that's his yeah, new name. New DJ <laughs> Cowboy.
1: Well, you yeah. Yeah. Okay, come yeah. on. Hanging with you're my bros here. Um, <laughs> 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 Do you know that that is quite a thing to say that. You are from a small town in NT, and you've got a community that obviously is something that is if so important to you guys. You get a yep. community saying, "What are you doing? Why are you wasting your time? Mm-hmm. Don't don't do that. Do do this." Yet you've got the backbone to keep going and have a crack. And now you're finding success. And I think the stuff you're doing is some really really cool stuff that you guys are doing, and it sounds like more stuff to come, that that must have been really hard for you to not sit with status quo, to go, I'm not going to listen to what everybody else thinks I should do. I'm going to do my own thing. Just talk us through how you approached that. Like how hard was that for you to do it?
3: Um, well, for me, I think growing up, because, you know, I had strong kind of people around me too, you know, like my father's pretty strong bloke, you know, and he's just kind of that exact way you know he you know he doesn't disrespect no one and he's always taught me that way like you don't know, no matter who you are or where you're from you know you never you know disrespect anyone and you be you know and you follow through what you want to do you know so i think i had that strong you know that strong leader there and and um, and, and you know growing up too, analysis is pretty pretty rough you know and so you got to kind of you kind of got to you know stand up and 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 i think this place will make you like you can you got, you can fall or you can rise. You know, you got to be one of the two. You know, you can't be kind of in the middle, you know, or hide away. So, so yeah, I just knew that um, from the beginning. You know, and then and people knew what I was like. You know, like I got that perception already that like, you know, no one can tell me. You know, like no one did it to my face, kind of thing. You know, yeah. I just heard. You know, people saying I'm no, laughing at you or whatever. You know. But, you know, but it didn't bother me one bit, you know. So so I think when you've got that strong leaders around you and know, that's why a lot of these other mob I try help would be a role model, you know, because some of them don't have that and some of them are just scared because I didn't have that, you know. So I think I'm just lucky. I had a you know, strong family, you know, especially strong father and, and I kind of just had to go off that, you know, and from the beginning I stood strong, you know.
1: And are you now, is part of your own resilience and grit coming from you standing strong to encourage other kids from your community, from Alice, to pursue their own dreams, whatever they may be? I mean, is that is that part of the driver for you guys when you go through the hard times on the road or get knockbacks? I mean, is that is that part of your DNA of where you came from and you wanting to inspire other kids to pursue what they want to pursue?
3: Yeah, my clear message all the time is, is this you- – do what you love, you know, but keep, you know, keep at it, keep learning, keep finding other ways, you know, networking, talking to people. Don't let, um, like, like I always say, I'm, I, don't, I don't think about what's this song I'm going to do or what my music going to do. Am I going to, you know, reach that part or get a lot of money or what, you know, that, I don't even think of that. That's just all the bonus parts of things. I keep, I keep doing what I'm doing because I love what I do. That's it. I love doing music. I love playing in front of people. If we get shows you know, down in Melbourne with um Adam, and that, that's great. That's all the bonus stuff, and that's why I try to keep. Because when the kids come to see me, they're like, I can see they're already thinking, like, boom, oh, you know, I want a video clips with, you know, women and fast cars, and then I'm like, not about that. <laughs> no, I can see that, you know, I can see that in their eyes. They're like, man, look, because they're, you know, dressing up like gangsters, and I'm like, and I'm telling them, man, it's not about that, you know. Yeah. It's about a story, and if you love music, and you want to make music, you want to create it, you know, that's what it's all about. Once you get that, that's the love for music. Everything else, if, if that comes, if that comes, that's, that's all the bonuses. And that's great, but don't try to look for that. Because you see a lot of people write songs for other people, and that's where they get it wrong. Because people go, I want to write, what oh, what would people like? No, what do you like? You know, tell a story, what do you think? I write for myself. And if people like it, that's the bonus. I don't write for people, I write for myself. I write about me and my story and my people and anyone else who can relate to it and like it, that's great, but I don't like stuff for other people.
1: There must be a lot of people liking it because you you guys, as a, as a, as a duo, have supported Paul Kelly, Iconic, Archie Rhodes, yeah. Jessica Malboy, hip-hop legends like Naughty By Nature, Bone Thugs, Ja Rule, mm-hmm. and it's been rumoured That you're looking to get a gig supporting DJ Cowboy. So I think if things keep going the way (laughs) you're planning them to go, big fella, you're uh, the sky's the limit. I mean, really, uh, you know, we'll talk.
0: I regret opening (laughs) my (laughs) mouth now. I really do.
1: It sounds good. Yeah. You want to be a cowboy,
0: baby?
1: Oh,
3: God. (laughs) Yeah. I I can hear that kind of like (laughs) country hip hop
0: mix. You get that twang? You can hear it? Yeah.
3: yeah, yeah, I can
0: hear it. I can hear it. If you walk in the studio heavily, next week and go, "Are you down with it, bro, Burt Whistle I'm going to belt you.
1: I'm heavily, <laughs> I'm heavily influenced by Kid Rock, so I'm going to grow a mullet because I couldn't grow a full Kid Rock, but I could grow a mule. <laughs> or you can <laughs> buy one of the
3: cowboy hats with the cords <laughs> yeah. hanging off it and the, and the mullet and the mullet stuck to it. <laughs> there you go. He's down. Hey, Cardi is down. Size. That's a sales thing there, man, but uh, you'd, you'd probably sell out.
0: Good Lord. And yeah, instead, it. But instead of gold chains, he'd have jumper leads hanging around his neck.
3: Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, Wait, oh but I, <laughs> Yep. Hey, and then sometimes hook it up to the battery. Mm-hmm. That's stage. it, brother.
0: That's what's going to happen yeah. if he walks in dressed like that, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> We're going hot. We're going
1: hot. Real hot.
3: Damn
0: hot. Oh, God. Yeah. Get um, off quickly.
1: <laughs> Tristram, I, it's been really... A great delight chatting with you, mate. Um, I really do like the stuff you're doing. And I think your backstory, which I really hadn't heard before, like I haven't heard anybody talk about the true backstory of what you went through to do what you do. Coming from Alice for the two of you and stuff, and I think it's uh, I think it's great, mate. Thank you for uh, taking the time to catch up with us. We really appreciate it.
3: Oh yeah, no, thanks a lot. Yeah, it was really great. We interrupt this program to bring you a special <laughs> The Mojo Radio Show. Right. Well, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So
0: after that interview, mate, uh, Carnage sent me a quick email saying that he'd come up with a name for your hip hop crew.
1: Oh no, what?
0: It's Gazza Gaz and the Bar Bar Bunch. <laughs> but that's that's a very long title to put onto iTunes Yeah, I think he was thinking about Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch or whatever he was called. But um, yeah, Gazza Gaz and the Bar Bar Bunch. That'll take up the whole. Pl- that'll take up the whole bill.
1: <laughs> hey, we're not going to give anything away, but we might have a little surprise from Carnage in Rocktober. We're not exactly sure yet, but there could be something in the works.
0: The Mojo Radio Show.
1: Since we record that interview, I have had this song. On high repeat in my brain. It's such a catchy tune. Should we play out with a bit of uh, Mountain from Carnage and Darkness? Definitely. We're out. Uh, Carnage in the
3: darkness. Chuck and stop hey. Come on. Watch him Wack him. wrongs in the thoughtful rights we truth between the lies, in between the line Nothing new and nothing change, yo it's in plain sight I struggle and fight to confine from my divine Trying to decline my lines of rhyme to shine Will I fail or rise? It's my time to decide if I can fly Gotta keep running and running, but watch out for the cracks From the city hustle bustle to the caterpillar track I will break the chains, a plane that constricts my view. Lift the river wide inside of me, across all the plains Yo, you wanted me to be something that I could could do eat before you even knew us at the window and flu Ancient rivers from the mountains So I'm strong sad I'm always countergrading at the doubters. now I'm bouncing Don't ever tell me to change your rearrange Cause all you get from me yo it's all the same like the sun and the moon I will feel my spirit move to my life truth to the reds and the desert truth i am a western knowing the warrior, But don't let that worry up Cause when I'm flying high I'ma be up. A mountain. I'm going to be
0: a river, water to flow, can watch
3: out you the way, washing, washing away. Hey, am I going to fly, am I going to get high where else am I going
0: to see what I want to see, washing, washing away. Oh, this blood rushing through my veins, voice of my people. Culture, we are here to stay. Climb any mountain, be the best that you can. No going back. I make the right choice. What it takes to make it out on top. Most important thing in life, hold your head up high. It gets better in time. Another path you gotta find. My eyes leading the blind. A i seen before in my mind, like a flash flood. When it comes, my people stay strong. Every young super being, we all have a dream, same as you for me. When my life can be extreme, Heavy I don't know what the meaning of when I'm pleading with my demons, elders
3: Be what I want to be. If I don't believe, I'm going to say, I'm going to be what I want to be. Am I going to see what I want to see? If I don't believe, I'm going to say, I'm going to see what I want to see. Am I going to be what I want to be? If I don't believe, I'm going to say, I'm going to be what I want to be. Am I going to see what I want to see? If I don't believe, I'm going to say.
0: you wanna see be what you wanna be